Carmen Rubio is going back to Portland City Hall. The city council position one race was one of the very first races to be called on Election Day. Rubio won a decisive 67% of the vote. A former staffer to Mayor Tom Potter and Commissioner Nick Fish, as well as former Multnomah County Commissioner Serena Cruz, Carmen brings to the city council her experience working for other elected officials, as well as leading Latino Network for over a decade. Jefferson and I spoke with Carmen yesterday, shortly before the results were released. How have you enjoyed being a candidate? You know, I there, there have been really great things about it, and there have been things that have really challenged me, um, but, but I think that have made me better. Um, I love, love talking to people. I love meeting new people and, and learning about parts of Portland that I that I don't know uh, well enough yet or about whole networks of community that are, that have a a focus and are making. What's a part of Portland? What's a part of Portland that you're learning more about, or what's a part of Portland that was more unfamiliar to you before that you feel more familiar with now? Well, um, I've always been really aware of, um, and we've worked in East Portland for quite a long time, many, many years in the, in the work that I've done, but um, I'm learning about um, just how, how many um, inroads and, and leadership um, uh, uh, things that, that they have going on there now since I've been at the city, which has been phenomenal. And they, they truly are a political force in this community. And so I'm really excited to see how uh, in, in this role, I can be helpful in lifting up voice to make that impact even stronger. What have been the things that have challenged you most? What are the parts you've liked least? I think when I first started um, campaigning, I felt very um, uh, uncertain about how I, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like unsure about how I talked about the issues. I really felt a, a deep responsibility to um, knowing an issue very thoroughly so I could give a very thorough answer. And then it really clicked for me that, no, this is a time to learn from people. This is a time where I don't have the answers. I, I need to go learn about the answers that exist in community um, and that are also, you know, that stuff is going on. There's a lot of expertise in the community. And so this was a great time of learning for me. And, and that learning helped me really refine um, a better vision for Portland. That sounds nice, but it doesn't sound hard. It doesn't seem like that would bum you out. Um, I think it, it didn't bum me out. No, it was, it was just a learning process for me. I think the, the thing that maybe bummed me out or that was hard is, um, that there were a lot of unexpected things happening in this time in our community. This pandemic hit right in the middle of all yeah. this. And not only that, um, our community and my nonprofit that I, I run, like, you know, our community was one of the most impacted in Oregon. And so being a full-time, um, uh, you know, holding my full-time job and working full-time while, while running full-time was a lot. And then this, on top of that, COVID-19. So all these things together uh, made it a very stressful time, but um, but we're doing it. We're talking to Carmen Rubio, newly elected city councilor of Portland. I want to bring in Emily Gilliland. Emily, can you hear us and will we be able to hear you? Yeah, absolutely. Carmen, hello. Great to see you. Great to hear you. You know, one of the things I think as a candidate that's such a valuable opportunity is to hear voices of folks from across this community. How have you balanced, and I'm not even sure that balance is the right way, when so many folks have vision for this community, have passion for solutions, and what your 
candidacy could look like, what your administration could look like as a city commissioner. How have you balanced voices and made sure that you're engaging communities across Portland? Well, in my career, um, since I've been in Portland, I've had tremendous opportunities because uh, of the roles that I worked in um, uh, on the community side and on the government side to really, um, you know, have a really broad network of people that were a good starting place. And so um, through this broad network, I, were, I was able to meet um, their connections and their connections. So I got to meet people that I know had I not run, perhaps I never would have had an opportunity to meet. And so in that way, um, it kept uh, the, uh, the different community groups and different uh, perspectives really allowed me to consider all sides of an issue. I, I won't say all sides because I haven't heard or learned everything yet, but multiple sides. And that's exactly the kind of perspectives that we need. And we need someone that can listen to all sides of something before being thoughtful in making a decision. Any, any issues where you've changed your mind? Um, I don't know that there are issues um, yet that I've completely changed my mind, but there are some issues that the more that I learn about them, the more I realize um, I don't have all the information. I want to learn more. And it's not just a quick answer about this or, or that. There are some issues that there are no quick answers. You really have to learn. Um, and I still uh, have learned about um, some issues where uh, there are whole sets of people and individuals and perspectives I haven't yet had the, the opportunity to hear from that, are, that, are, that I need to do that. Particularly... Probably in housing. I know that infill is, is a big issue right now in our, in, you know, in our community. And we know that we need to become a denser city. And I'm just eager to really get in there and learn and, and look at um, the strategies, look at the rationale for a lot of the things that, um, for a lot of the reasons that the city uh, decided to move forward in this. Um, and also just very eager to, to see where community voice comes in there and how it has shaped it and how it can continue to shape it to, be, to become even better. It feels like a lot of your thrust, I remember when we spoke on the radio months ago in the earlier days of your campaign, certainly now, much of your methodology is, that I hear is around, well, who are the people I'm connecting with? Who are the groups I'm connecting with? How do I make sure there's a lot of people who are engaging the subject matter? How can I interact and engage with community? Uh, and I do think that speaks to some degree of the leadership style that we might anticipate with you in City Hall. On the subject matter area, was there anything that surprised you? Not only who was saying what or all the people, I mean, it was 600,000 people, you might have only met 590,000 of them, who knows? But the, so not just new people you met, but any subject matter that, a, an angle of which surprised you, that if it didn't change your mind, at least you realize, oh, that's something I've got to carry with me and how I understand this or how I communicate about this. Yes, I I started to learn uh, quite a bit more about um, our air quality and pollution, and particularly in certain parts of Portland where there are a lot of pollutants in the air and how there has been a history of, of community advocacy around these very issues. And these are things that I, in my everyday work, um, we, we, you know, environmental justice is very much a part of my everyday work right now, but um, to have such a clear focus and a long history of that advocacy in the city of Portland, that, that's a new area for me. So I know I still have a lot of questions around that and around um, 
what other parts of Portland, you know, are um, also experiencing the same or similar things? And what has the city uh, done or made progress on? And um, what can we do in the future? So things like that. That's one clear one that I, that I can think of right now. This obviously has been a big personal sacrifice for you, a sacrifice for your friends and family um, in, in lots of good ways. But where do you want to give gratitude? Uh, I probably would absolutely need to start with um, a lot of the advisors and mentors, um, probably all up in my life that have led me sort of to this point um, that have encouraged me or believed in me. I have to give a huge um, debt of gratitude to Commissioner Nick Fish because he really was the one that um, really pushed me pretty strongly uh, to, to make this move. And so uh, because he believed in me, it gave me a confidence. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he was on council and he would know. And so uh, for him to tell me that really gave me a boost of confidence um, and that that made a huge difference. It's, I also, I would say my partner, Tony, he's been doing all the laundry and cleaning <laughs> in the house and cooking um, and has not complained once. So it's, yeah. it's been pretty good. I've been pretty lucky. Yeah. Today is the end of phase one of this campaign. What does tomorrow look like? Well, depending on whatever the outcome is tonight, tomorrow we take a, a rest in the morning and then we, um, quickly recalibrate and make a new plan. So so let's let's imagine it seems to me that there are two scenarios. You might be humble and pretend there's a third, but to me there's two scenarios and one seems much more likely. Uh, one scenario is that you win outright, another scenario is that there's a runoff. There does not seem to me any scenario where you, there does not seem to me to be a third scenario. Uh, the I want to actually put ourselves in each of those scenarios and that we can air the interview in full and people could, you know, think about that. But also from, we just air it tomorrow, we can just air it as if now we know, right? Yeah. Uh, so let's first imagine uh, Emily's question through the lens of you're in a runoff. There's a break and then the campaign goes forward. What does a campaign in Portland look like in the next six months where we're wrestling with how much that we are socially distanced versus how much we are reemerging to how much we're in the, you know, Jeep party in Texas and, you know, saying woohoo party uh, as people have been celebrating over the last several minutes, apparently. I think if we are talking about that scenario, what it would mean, you know, from tomorrow on is that we really need to look strongly about how we can um, better get our, our, our policy ideas out there to the voters um, and also recalibrate a little bit. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Our priorities as a community have shifted drastically and dramatically. Um, what matters um, now are not, you know, are things that we care about the fire, um, life and safety issues. Um, do people have enough food to eat um, if they're unemployed? How are um, people going to get the, the he uh, health care that they need? Um, how are children and students going to um, have um, equitable access to um, to learning. Um, all of these things are are predicated on a system that is working perfectly, and we don't have that system right now. I can tell you right now that we see in my nonprofit that um, we have families that are in deep need, um, not, and we have a huge digital divide. 
um, right now for uh, many uh, community, communities and families living in poverty or living paycheck to pay, paycheck and the working poor. Um, we have frontline uh, workers who are at higher, you know, experiencing higher rates of illness during this time as well. And there are so many implications for their family um, as, you know, primary earners in their family who are sick. Um, what does that mean for the children and for other adults in the family? And, and so there's just um, so many questions. We, we have new and urgent priorities, and that is the task um, of the city council, of all local jurisdictions and the state. Um, and as a candidate, um, that would be my priority to understand more deeply from impacted communities. What are the urgent priorities now? These are the things that need to be the focus of the campaign going forward. On digital divide, on the issue of the digital divide, what do you see as a solution? Do you think that the city of Portland should invest significantly in more internet capacity? And if we invest in more internet capacity, should that in fact be operated by the city? Should we move in the direction of sort of publicly owned Wi-Fi, or do you have a different idea? I am in support of um, ideally having a, a, a publicly owned Wi-Fi that that can be equitably accessed uh, by all residents in the community. Um, what that looks like, whether it's city owned or whether it's a collaboration, you know, of regional jurisdictions, you know, I'm open to, um, you know, uh, entertaining multiple scenarios. Um, but the fact of it is, um, in this time, if we are going to start moving more online um, in terms of providing access to government services, et cetera, um, we need to make sure that all communities are participating in the digital economy. So let's imagine the other scenario, which is what I think is going to happen, which is you're about to be elected to the Portland City Council. And the question is whether that's going to be with 60% of the vote or 89% of the vote. And the first thing I want to say is congratulations. <laughs> and I actually find that a, one of the more interesting dynamics of this campaign. So put ourselves a year ago where you have an incumbent mayor in the middle of a strong economy. You have an incumbent uh, city councilor, Chloe Udaly. You have a Nick Fish who is alive. And you have you running, deciding to run for uh, city council. At that time, one might have predicted that of all of the people I just named, you would be the one that had the most work to do to become a city councilor. Yes. In part because the other three people already were those. And that when you when other candidates started to emerge at some point, the Carmen Rubio campaign became the one that seemed like the fait accompli. This is the one that, well, okay, we don't know what's going to happen to all these, but it seemed pretty obvious you're going to be elected for like the last four months. At what point did it surprise you that of all of the candidates in all of these races, the first time in my lifetime, I think ever in recorded memory, that there have been four of the five city council seats up, did it occur to you that you were the most like an incumbent of any of the candidates, the most likely to win of any of the candidates, the mayor in somewhat similar position, but you haven't been the mayor before. At what point did that dawn on you? Or yeah, think about, yeah, I'm curious. I think, um, I think that it, it, you know, I had a recognition of what a, an historic opportunity this was uh, to be in this seat at this time, given all those other factors you just talked about. Um, 
you know, when, when next seat opened up and I realized that um, other people that I highly respect were getting into that race um, and other races. And um, I, you know, I, I, I would hope that it was because in part that they see that I'm a hard worker. I've accomplished um, some solid um, uh, progress for our community um, that I can collaborate with others. I'm hoping that those are reasons why they decided to pursue other seats. Um, but, um, but I also have to say that we're living in a point in time where there's a deep recognition in our community that we do not have a voice of, of a particular set of communities that are highly um, under attack right now nationally. Um, this racist um, presidential administration has blazon, like, you know, brazenly targeted immigrants, refugees, communities of color, uh, Latinx people. Um, and we have that voice very clearly missing and have had it missing from um, our local government for a very, very long time. In the history of the city, we have never had a Latinx perspective and voice, uh, policy voice um, in a leadership position from city council. And so I think that, the, that, that there's a recognition that there is time for that here. It's, it's long overdue and there is no more important time than right now. In any campaign, there's the person, there's the place, meaning the position, there's the timing, and there's the strategy. With a little bit of 2020 vision and your hindsight, what are the components of your campaign that you think really worked, that, are, that you are proud of? Um, I'm really proud that I had such a broad base of support, um, that I've had some really great training and really great models. Um, um, both, you know, in learning um, things that have worked and also seeing sometimes um, experience of others that haven't worked so well and kind of learning from that. Um, I, uh, I think I've also had the great um, uh, benefit of having worked as a nonprofit director for 10 years. That is not an easy thing to do, as you, you, you all know. And so um, given those things, um, you, you experience, um, you know, the highs and lows of funding and the middles of funding you experience. I, I talk about uh, being a nonprofit director is sort of like going camping. You, when you go camping, you have to be sure that you have everything you need because no one's going to come rescue you when you're out there. No one's going to come change your light bulb or uh, put up your tent for you if you even brought your tents. So that's sort of how, what it's like. You have to figure it out. You have no choice. And you know, you're um, responsible for the livelihood of all these people on payroll. <laughs> and um, it's, you know, it's their families and their kids um, and we can't let them down and we have to meet the mission. And I sort of you know, draw on that experience um, for this campaign. You can't let people down. You're responsible for carrying those voices forward and we need to make progress on our mission. We've had the opportunity to interview over 65 candidates at this point across races across this state. And with each, someone made the decision, sometimes with encouragement, sometimes they felt their own confidence to be able to step out into the unknown and run as a candidate. There are a lot of folks that are out there that would say, never, I would never do such a thing. And yet it's such a critical service to this community to make sure that there is a diverse array of voices and identities showing up representing 
our boldest vision for our communities. What's your advice to someone who's on the edge or considering running? I would say that, um, you know, a year ago, I never would have seen myself, uh, a full year ago, I never would have seen myself here. I was one of those people that said, never me. But, you know, there comes a time when, you know, you look about the world around you, you see what's happening and leadership matters. And when you know, when you feel so compelled and angry, look at that as a calling for service. That means that, that you should do something with, with that energy. Um, volunteer, get involved, sure. But push yourself to take leadership and to do something about it. I have such a profound and deep respect now for every single person that's made the, the hard decision to run for, you know, uh, run a campaign. And um, it, you know, you, it is like the longest, most public, um, uh, most, you know, visible, exposing, uh, you know, job interview that you will ever have in your life. And it tests you and it tests your leadership and your leadership resiliency. And if you are not a better person at the end of that process, no matter the outcome, then you weren't, you weren't giving it your all, <laughs> you know, you, you, you didn't put it in what you really could get out of it. So, uh, I encourage people to run. Um, we need good people to run. And um, that's only what's going to get us out of this, um, this darkness, this dark cloud that we're in. And I'm so heartened by all the people that are running right now. I'm just in awe of the incredible people that we see running. It's, it's, a, it's, it's incredible. It's going to be a, a transformative next set of years, I believe. So what's the first big move? You're going to come in with a head of steam. You're going to have time to prepare. People are going to be asking to meet with you. You're going to be coming in in the context of, you know, some version of recession, depression, pandemic, big budget challenges, hoping the federal government bails us out to some degree. What's the first big move for the Carmen Rubio as city councilor? Um, I think it's uh, two things, uh, two sides of the same coin, which is um, transition my transition out responsibly of the important role I have running a community-based organization that is, that is a critical player right now for my community in this pandemic. So we need to make sure that we have continuity of good leadership and I have a fantastic leadership team. So I'm not, I am not at all worried about, you know, that, that combination of talent that we have there, but we do need to make sure that it's going to continue to be there performing at that level for the community. Then I have the transition. Let's pause there for a second. Do you have an idea who the next executive director of Latino Network is going to be? And I'll say you, you sort of obliquely mentioned it, but yeah, everybody on this conversation has led a nonprofit organization before. We understand how, uh, how invested one can be and hopefully one is in that work. Mm -hmm. I don't. I do not have an idea, which is, um, which is part of, of my transition plan is to really set up our staff and our board so that they can make the best decision for the organization. Um, but as of this this moment, um, it, we're going to be looking for for someone committed and with talent to do that. Um, and then the, the other piece is the transition in. Um, I would hope to assemble a team that can really help me refine um, what policy areas and priorities that I should um, take on in my first year and really get concrete and continue to deepen my knowledge around these areas. Um, and then also have, you know, start having important conversations with um, jurisdictional um, partners um, in the region, um, my colleagues on city council, um, and also learn more about the bureaus. And then focusing internally on uh, the transition and building my own team and what that will look look like. And it's, you know, it's a little bit of, of um, 
of a little bit of a guessing game too because um, you won't know until what bureaus you're assigned really. So um, trying to make sure that you build the best team that can, can really uh, take on any set of bureaus and issues that we're assigned. And you've built teams across every position that you've held. Are there any special considerations in building a team in City Hall? Well, I want to make sure that, um, that, that my team and myself um, remain accessible, fully accessible to the community. Um, I would love to have um, a team that is very representative of the community that we're serving um, and has the skills to do that as well. So those are the things I will be looking for. Do you have a campaign office? Is that where you are? Are you at home? Does one have a campaign office in the middle of a pandemic? No, we don't have a campaign office. Well, we actually did um, have a, 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 a desk that we rented um, in the building where, um, um, where many campaigns are in the um, Next Up building, bus yeah. project. Um, so Mona has been operating out of there, but when this hit, you know, um, we're all in our homes. I'm at home right now. Yeah. The, uh, we're seeing the Carmen for Portland signs behind you. It's an excellent backdrop. Your backdrop beats my backdrop significantly. Luckily, most of this will be for the radio. Congratu congratulations to you. How are you going to celebrate? Um, we're going to celebrate with, you know, old, um, um, our old uh, team crews uh, are coming to do a little toast with me later tonight. Um, so we're going to have a little celebration on my porch, a, a very socially distant, um, six feet apart, just mini toast, and then everybody goes home. Well, Carmen, as we close that interview, it's just a huge thanks for committing to this campaign and to this community and all the ways that you have and you will. Uh, thanks for joining us on X-Ray today and sharing just a little bit of time on what's a, a very important day for you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I hope we have a chance to talk in a couple of months after you've come to grips with some of the next steps and you'll be wearing a somewhat different hat, but thank you so much for spending this time. Thank you. Cool. Enjoy being here.